out of the 19 individual cases that we find in the New Testament. Now, these are individual cases of healing that I'm talking about. It talks about an individual and what they did and how they received and so on and so forth. It's not, I'm not referring to the huge amount of multitudes that got healed. Thousands and thousands of people that got healed and delivered through the ministry of Jesus in just three and a half years. But I'm talking about in the Gospels, there's actually, and you think there's more, but it's because the Gospels usually repeat it more than once. You'll find that, that healings are repeated. But you'll find about, and, and there's a reason why I say about, because there's a couple of them that are, I don't know if you can include them or not. Maybe you can, but, but maybe not. There's 19 or 20, let me say. Individual cases of healing recorded in the gospel. And out of those 19 times, 12 times, specifically, faith is mentioned. Now, this is extremely important. Jesus said over and over again, your faith has made you whole, or be it done unto you according to your faith. As you have believed, so be it done unto you. According to your faith, so be it done. See, he said that over and over again, 12 times. You'll find that he mentions faith, which means it's essential when it comes to receiving. I mean, if it was just mentioned once, then maybe there's an argument. <laughs> but and if it was mentioned twice, there could be an argument. But, he, but in the New Testament, and specifically in the Gospels, it's mentioned 12 times out of 19. Specifically, it mentions faith. So it gives prominence to faith when it comes to receiving healing or receiving deliverance or doing the or, or receiving the impossible whatever is impossible for man for all things to be possible then faith has to be hooked in here Jesus plainly referred to the lack of faith of the disciples as being the central issue as to why that boy that had a deaf and dumb spirit in Mark chapter 9 why he didn't get healed and when they failed to minister deliverance to the boy, Jesus said that they were being faithless or unbelieving, another translation says. This same story is repeated in Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. And there, Jesus answers the why it is that people don't receive from the Lord. And he says, because the disciples came to him and asked him, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus simply said, he didn't flower it up. <laughs> he didn't make it pretty. He didn't sugarcoat it. He said, because, here's the cause, of your unbelief. If that's the cause, then we don't want to be in unbelief. We want to be over in the faith. Now, Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. Not doubting in the heart. It's a key issue in receiving the miraculous or receiving a manifestation or laying hold of the promises of God or laying hold of our inheritance in Christ. He says, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that the things which he says are coming to pass, whatever he says shall be his. I've heard people say, well, you're that faith 
you're part of that faith bunch. It just believes whatever you say will come to pass. No, uh, you have to qualify that. Jesus didn't say whatever you say will happen. No, he said, if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that the things which you say are coming to pass, then you'll have whatever you say. You have to qualify that. No, I don't believe, and I never will, that whatever you say will happen. No, it won't. I'm talking about, and Jesus is talking about, not doubting in your heart, but believing that the things which you say are coming to pass. And then Jesus said, you'll have what you say. Jesus said that there can be no doubt in the heart, but that one must believe in order to receive a manifestation of whatever one may be believing or saying. So, doubt in the heart, then, is the exact opposite of believe. Are you seeing this? This tells me that doubt is the same as unbelief or being faithless. It's a heart problem, folks. <laughs> That's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is dealing with the central issue, which is a heart issue. Now, what does he mean by heart? Is he talking about your blood pump? <laughs> you know, the, the thing that goes, uh, that beats in your chest? No, he's not talking about the physical. Actually, the word heart in Bible language refers to the spirit of a human being, and it does not refer to your head or to your body. Romans chapter 2, now we're going to, I have to mention this because we need to all be on the same page what, what Jesus means by believe in your heart. Let's talk about heart so then we can talk about not doubting in the heart and then believing. Okay, Romans chapter 2 verse 29, the apostle Paul said that true circumcision is of the heart in the spirit. So right away, we know that the heart is the spirit. The heart is the human spirit in biblical speech. The heart, Peter called it, the hidden man or person of the heart. Amen. So he establishes that. First Peter, actually, that's in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4. Now, these are important scriptures because th th this will straighten out your thinking. The human being is, first of all, composed of a spirit being. That's what you are. And you have a soul, and you live inside a flesh body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 says that, that, the God, that God would sanctify you wholly, your whole spirit and soul, and body. Now, I know a lot of people don't believe in spirit, soul, and body. They believe you're just, uh, I mean, Christian people believe that you're just uh, either a soul or either a spirit, and then that uh, you're, you're that and a body. Apostle Paul never would have divided it in, into three parts if the human being wasn't three-part being. And that's not the only scripture where he talks about that. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 really brings this out because it says the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now listen. And it divides asunder, or it brings, it separates the difference between the spirit and the soul. Well, if the spirit and the soul can be divided, then that means that they're not the same. Amen. 
The spirit is the inner man, and the body, or the physical senses, is the outward man that Paul taught about. And he talks about the inner man and the outward man. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. Though our outward man is perishing, that's the body. That's, you know, it's getting older. That's what he's talking about. He said, the inward man, which is the spirit, we've already seen that, is being renewed day by day. And this is not the only place. He also mentions the inward and the outward, the inward man as the spirit over in the book of Romans chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. Now, this is basic. I understand that this is basic. Some of you out there might be thinking, well, I already know that. Well, that's not enough. You got to act on it. You got you to gotta walk in it. And sometimes you have to go back and revisit some things so that God can bring some things out. Now, I'm setting this up because when we begin to talk about doubting in the heart, not doubting in the heart, you'll begin to see what Jesus was actually saying. And it's powerful. If you remove doubt from the heart, then, or from the spirit, then you can believe according to the word, and you can believe that what you say will come to pass, and it will come to pass. And also what you pray. Because then he goes on to say, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. The problem is not believing that you receive them uh, in order to have them. And the issue is this heart issue with doubt. So that's why we're going over some of these basic principles. Because they're important in order to understand what Jesus was talking about when he said that you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe. It means that we are to believe with the heart or believe with the Spirit. That's what you did when you were born again. You were born again by believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead or from among the dead and by confessing with your mouth that He is your Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. But now, the very next verse tells you how it is that you believe. Verse 10 says that it is with the heart that you believe. And this is important. You believe with the spirit, with the inward man. You don't believe with your head, and you certainly don't believe with your body. The heart or spirit is not or is not connected to the sensory perceptions that you may have or that may come by your uh, five physical senses, you know, by uh, seeing and hearing and smelling and tasting or touching. The heart is not your feelings. Uh, the spirit is not your feelings. It's not your emotions. It's not the reasonings that you can come up with in your head. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven says that we're to walk or to live our live out our lives by faith and not according to sight or what our senses and feelings dictate to us. Do you, do you begin to see what, what, what this is talking about? Believing with the Spirit? Well, Jesus said, my words are Spirit. <laughs> believing with the Spirit is intimately connected to believing the Word. What He said, that's principle and that becomes first place in your life. God will examine your heart. Do you know that it says that in the Scripture? It says that God will test your heart. He's going to look at it. He's going to see whether you're believing or not. Others may not be able to see it, 
But God sees it, and He knows exactly what's in your heart. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4 says clearly, We have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests or examines our hearts. Now, that's all over the Bible. God tests the heart. Amen. You got to get this straight. This is not God testing you with bad or evil stuff. That's not what it's talking about. That kind of testing comes from the devil. This is talking about God looks at the heart to see whether you're in faith or unbelief. That's what he's looking at. He's not looking at your body. He's not looking at your mind or what you think. He's looking at your heart. He looks at the heart, the Bible says, and not the appearance of, of, uh, that a person may have on the outside. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. He looks to see if there is any faith or if there is any doubt in the heart. Now, why is this, folks? Why does God do this? Well, God is a spirit being. It says in the book of John chapter 4 verse 24, and he's not a mind or a flesh body. It's impossible to please God without faith. Because faith, as we are seeing, is from the heart. It's believing in the heart or the spirit. And that's never going to be believing with the mind or the body or the senses. You can't believe God any other way except in your heart or spirit. It's impossible. Now, that's the determining factor. God is the original heart or spirit inspector and specialist. He's the heart specialist. God never looks at how you're feeling or what you think. But let me tell you, folks, he certainly looks upon the heart to see if you're in faith or if you have doubt in the heart. Now, doubt in the heart will oppose believing. And what it does is it causes a short circuit. It sabotages sabotages your faith. And this is the reason that we have to teach more on how to eliminate or eradicate all doubt from the heart. Are you beginning to see that doubt in the heart is the major stumbling block to receiving any manifestation of the promises of God and our bought and paid for inheritance in Christ Jesus?